Hello guys and welcome to episode 5 of the Jack Hughes podcast, where I'm delighted to say I've got my good friend Andy Simon on the line today. Andy is a Welsh international hockey player who has represented his country at every age group and currently has 95 senior caps to his name. He's bidding to make the Welsh squad for this year's Commonwealth Games in Australia and is also a serving officer in the Royal Air Force. Andy, good morning, mate. Thanks for taking the time to uh, talk to me this morning. How's it going? Yeah, going all right, thank you. Training's going well. Uh, Focus now goes towards uh, French tests in three days' times and then uh, makes another cut towards Commonwealth Games and then we've got a few more training sessions until the final cut at the end of February. So tell us about how you got into hockey. Being from, so we're both from Wales, so as you can imagine, it's very um, football and especially rugby orientated in school. So, so take us back to to how you got into hockey because it's quite a it's a different sport for for most young lads to get into. Yeah, it was a very niche sport where I was in North Wales at the time as well. So it started in uh, Craigiedon Primary School uh, with a coach called Merrill Roberts, who kind of saw potential in me as a goalkeeper because I played um, football in goal. As you say, it's very football orientated up in North Wales. Um, she then said, oh, have you ever thought about hockey? And obviously being a young enthusiast for any sport, I thought I'd, uh, I'd give it a go. So I went along to a few um, primary school training sessions and then got involved uh, with Colin Bear Hockey Club. Of course, at this point, still playing in goal. Um, after quite a few successful games and not getting many touches of the ball because our defence was so strong, just scoring goals for fun, I thought it was an opportunity to kind of play outfield. And from that, just just took it and started to play um, hockey outfield um, and never really looked back. And then through the system of Colin Bay, which they called Acorns, I just kind of grew through the system and made it through to the, the first team of Colin Bay Hockey Club, moving on to um, National League clubs in Manchester to where I am today and uh, a senior Welsh international to, to Richmond Hockey Club. So has that progression changed over the years in terms of the different levels? So what, what age did you first represent Wales? Uh, I was 12 but under 16 level was the first representation um, and that's very much similar these days so they've got something called a 365 camps and they kind of get young enthusiasts or young potential players of hockey and then put them through the system from 14 younger and then hopefully promote them into the into the under 16 squads if they're good enough Okay, that's interesting so we'll go straight into the, the tough questions so I know for a fact Back in 2014, if we rewind nearly four years ago now, um, you you had your first bid to make the, the Welsh team for the Commonwealth Games. Um, disappointingly, you missed, missed the cut on that, and I think it's fair to say that it took a lot of um, mental strength to, to come round for the next four years. Can you just walk us through that, take us back to that time and how you felt, what the process was and how you decided to to sort of take the roll of the punches and, and try again. Yeah, so it, it first started in 2013 for a European tournament in Vienna. So um, I'd been selected for that. I was playing well. Um, sadly, we didn't do as well as we wanted to as a team, but individually I thought my performance was strong. Um, at that point, I did my 50th cap of outdoors as well. Um, so everything was, was on the up for me. Um Going into the following year and getting, obviously, the, the team getting selected for Commonwealth Games was a massive thing because it hadn't happened since Manchester 2002. So you're talking a 12-year gap there and three Commonwealths missed. Um, so everyone was buzzing, everyone was kind of training hard and hoping to get selected. 
Um, I think at this point, because I'd played so well the previous summer, I just assumed that I was going to get selected and I didn't really put that much pressure or that much training into it to start until we met up again in about March time. This obviously, the Commonwealth Games being in August, so they still had five months to go. Um, we had like two, three sessions. I, I felt fine. Uh, I felt like I was up to speed with the squad. And then we flew out to Spain to play three tests against Ireland, South Africa and Spain themselves. Um, everyone played well, except for me. I think I, I kind of just assumed I was good enough and kind of can compete at that level. But with international hockey or any international sport, you have to actually put the effort in um, to compete with those top nations. And um, yeah, with that bad start, it just kind of affected me psych- psychologically. Um, and with that, I started to blow my mind um, whether I was good enough to actually be there, whether the players around me were you know, as good as me or were better than me. And it just kind of caught up with me. Um, which which ended up me not playing well the rest of the kind of training sessions for those five months and being selected as 17th man and now they took 16 to the games so as that that kind of first player reserve and it, it wasn't just the the fact that I saw my friends kind of go to the Commonwealth Games it was just the fact that I'd, I'd almost promised my family I was going to make it and then from that they bought the tickets they bought the accommodation they, they went up anyway and it felt like it was a letdown for my family it was just a massive disappointment. Um, and one that I look upon because sometimes you need failure for success, um, as you see with major sporting teams. So what what would you say the biggest takeaway was from that and what was the biggest lesson um, you learned? For me, it was the, the assuming, as in to, to play at that level and then just assume I was going to get selected again. It, it just doesn't happen. Um, you have to keep putting in the hard graft and that's something which I've definitely found out this time um, I've read a lot of it sounds strange a lot of positivity books uh, Chasing Excellence was a, a main one for me uh, where he just says control the controllables and I can only control what I do whether that's the nutrition the running those 1% and I can't affect anything else whether that's selection or other players around me or other teams I can't really affect that So was it um, did it take you a long time to decide to go through another round of selection given you were I think you were 28 at the time and you know you're well, you're 31 now, so I don't know what the, the peak hockey player age is, but I imagine it was quite a big decision for to put you yourself and you, you know your family and friends through that all over again. Yeah, after the games, I was quite lucky to be um, selected uh, to go through Cranmore to become an officer. So that kind of took my mind off the hockey for about a year, year and a half. And at this point, the indoor Europeans were coming up, and me being sure I'm a very big advocate of the indoor game and I knew it won that kind of excel at so so I put my name in the in the, in the uh, kind of bucket as such um, threw myself to be in and uh, competed for that got selected which I was really chuffed about and once again it's very disappointing <laughs> we didn't do that well maybe it's me and Bad Omen um, but it kind of got my hunger back for playing international hockey again and then decided to give it another crack of the whip to play outdoor albeit we didn't know whether we'd qualify for another Commonwealth Games um, and three years later yeah we've luckily enough qualified um, I spoke to a guy called Jim Havlin as well, or James Havlin. Um, he's in the RAF uh, supplier, and he uh, he said don't have any regrets. So he retired from international hockey at a young age, uh, and he kind of looks back at it and go, what if? So I could have I could have competed for another three four years. And at the age of 28, I very much had that thought. Do I want a what if at the age of 33, thinking I could earn a few more caps or possibly go to another major tournament? And I've just been Cyprus to play another European indoor tournament, so there's a few more caps under my belt. It's an experience I really loved, um, and yeah, hopefully 
one in a couple of months that I'm going to love as well going to Commonwealth Games. Hopefully hit that 100 caps. Just Hopefully, to, yeah. Just to retire. Well, I'm going to hit 98 after this, after this week, so yeah, it's all good. Retire on a high. So take us back to how you know the RAF supported you through that process, and did you have to try and put, you know, did you have to try and explain or try and justify again for why they should support you through it? Because I'm assuming you got quite heavily supported by them during that time. Um, what was the process like from, from 2014 to to now? Um, it, very, very much the same process. So being that elite level of sport in the RAF, um, we get kind of elite sports marked um, against the RAF Sports Board. Uh, so from that, they, they knew the potential that I was at, they knew the level, and they kind of knew whether I was going to get selected or not selected. It's, it's one of those cutthroat sports, you either are or you aren't. Um, so because I'd played a high level and represented the RF, they knew what I was like, the UK Armed Forces. Um, they knew that to have this time off would kind of benefit me in the long run um, to train, to play, and hopefully get to the top level. So you basically go through RF hockey, they'll go through to the sports board, um, and then they'll give a decision of yes or no, this guy's got potential to make the games. And because they knew I was the 17th man last time, they were more than welcome to, or more than happy, to kind of give me that process again and give me the time off. Um, for the last games, I had five months off leading up to it, um, and this time they've given me eight months off just because where I am in my career and what I can and can't do. Um, so yeah, they've been fantastic to me, whether that's the time to train, um, the financial sport, because it's an amateur sport at the end of the day. I'm paying, what, possibly up to £1,000 uh, for the next three trips, um, so they kind of chip into that two £300 here and there, um, something which no other job really can do. So do you think with all the raft you would have been able to, to carry on? Like, as in, you're basically a full-time athlete at the moment, I take it? Um, no, I'd, I'd have been a, a part-time athlete. I, I would have nowhere, nowhere near, especially at this age, nowhere near got near where I wanted to be. Um, I think work would have taken over. It would have, it would have been more stress on me, on family and on relationship that I'm in at the moment. Um, so for them to give me this opportunity and to have the time off and, and play as a full-time athlete, it's incredible. And I can't really thank them enough, and I don't think any other career could do that, really. So where are you in the process at the moment? How what's the date for selection? When's D Day? How how are you feeling at, at the moment? You know, has progress been good? Is your mind in the right place? You you touched on a couple of books you read before. Wondered if you could just tell the listeners a bit more about the sort of mindset stuff you went through from overcoming that disappointment to you know the the mental strength you've gained from that and how you think these days. Um. Yeah. I mean. It was a huge knock not to get selected in 2014. Um, but as I say, I had some time away from the game. Um, I focused on career a lot. And then it was the decision of where to come back and just try and enjoy every moment that I could. Um, and yeah, as I was saying, I was reading the book Chasing Excellence and it's very much a CrossFit-heavy book. You know what they're like, they're very extrovert. And it, it is about those 1% in control of what you can control, as I was saying earlier in, in, this, in this podcast. So it's it's literally focus focus on me, uh, focus on that positivity. So when you get up in the morning, you go, yeah, I might not have slept that well, but at least I slept something. So there's the positive out of that. Uh, the nutritional side of things, so not eating crap, just basically eating clean as much as possible. Um, and then every single thing that you do in the gym, it's, it's about those 1%. It's focusing on that one lift. It's focusing on that, that one speed tempo run. It's just going into it and just, just focusing solely on that and nothing else around you, even if people do look at you stupid when you do you know, different functional moves in the gym. 
um, yeah, what, what, what else did you ask, sorry? Just any other recommendations in terms of books apart from, you know, like Chasing Excellence, any, any other things you implemented in terms of mindset that helps that decision and, you know, built up that resilience to, to go through another four years of basically selection? Um, yeah, I, I think it was just talking to people around me. Um, we're very much in the team environment. There's, there's what We had 50 players in the squad to begin with and we sorted out in this cycle of the Commonwealth Games. We're now down to 26. The final cut comes at the end of February where they select 20 players to go to the Games. And everyone's talking about it. You've probably got a nucleus of 10 players that already know they're selected or know they're good enough for selection. The other 16 of us are all booming and ahhing of whether we're getting in. And it's very much leaning on each other of, yeah, you're playing well. Yes, it's exciting times. Um, and just being positive around each other. I mean, some of us aren't going to select a bit come the next cycle, which is the Hockey World League or the Europeans, everyone back in the same boat. So it's just leaning on each other, supporting each other. I imagine you're going to be very um, diplomatic in the way you answer this question, and it's more than fair enough, but I can't not ask it. What's your opinion on, you know, being Welsh and potentially being in a squad of players that might not necessarily be Welsh and... You know, not to say they wouldn't get in a British team or an English team, but it could be argued that through their grandparents or a distant relative, they might not have had that opportunity to, to be in the Commonwealth Games. Does that leave a bitter taste at all, or is it just you just find the you welcome the competition? Um, I, I think it's only enhancing the game in hockey Wales. To be really honest, um, yes. You can think about it, but I've been in the squad since I was 12 now, as in from junior level all the way to senior level. Um, so you see players come and go, you see the quality that are there that the English boys bring in. And without those boys as well, we would not be uh, what, in the top 24 nations in the world. Um, and you're talking with the top eight teams in Europe now, now that they're in the A division and we're competing at Commonwealth Games. I think those players only enhance it. Yes, it, it can get frustrating, but the fact that some of them they still don't know whether they're eligible for the games, but at the end of the day, it, it doesn't bother me. I can only control what I control, as I was saying earlier. Um, and they, they do enhance the sport of, of hockey. As in they're, they're fantastic athletes. So, And as you say, it's a very diplomatic answer. No, no, I, I understand. But I think you're doing the right thing in terms of you can only control what you can do. And as long as you know you're putting all the effort in, if you're good enough, you're good enough. The, um, yeah, exactly. The game doesn't care what way you're from, really. As long as you're good enough to, to make the, the squad, then I'm sure you will be. So going back to the, the RAF, do you think the motivation and the mindset that it's taken to be in the situation you're in with hockey, do you think that work ethic translate into, translates into your work life? And has it been beneficial? Yeah, definitely. I think we, we always talk about team, um, team, 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 and that's the same within the military. Um, yes, I might be in a different role than I first was in the RF, but I've very much seen exactly the same process. Um, and it's just looking after your guys, um, and whether that's our skipper for the RF, whether that, uh, sorry, skipper for Wales, whether that's uh, the coach for Wales, they much, very much have that kind of command process of looking after the troops or the, the players, and that's very much the same set that I'm doing at the moment. You're always looking after your guys. So yeah. Very similar. It's good to know. So, all being well, you go to the Commonwealth Games. I've read, and you've told me that you've got quite an interesting group. Um, England versus Wales. I think that's on the cards. Have you, have you had played in many of those matches before? Is it like football and rugby? Is 
is a rivalry just as built up or it, it's funny England are a very strong nation when it comes to hockey and obviously their full time athletes part of the GD scheme as well um, and Wales we're just we're, we're part time at the end of the day we, we, we don't have the funding to do it hopefully in the future there will be funding um, we play with them at club level uh, week in week out so yeah there's a bit of that camaraderie um, but when it comes to playing them we very rarely play them we're more playing against the Scots and the Irish than we are against the English and that's because England without being disrespectful, they, 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 they claim and probably think they're better than us, a lot better than us. So they play against the higher-ranked teams rather than playing against the Mooners, which they think are Wales. So the, the closest we get to playing against England on a, on a yearly basis is against the GB development squad, which is very much the next phase down from England. But as you were saying, we're in their, their league now. We're, we've got them in our group. Um, so when it comes to the actual tournament, if you interesting to play with them, especially as the next cycle is the GB lot for the Olympics. So the few Welsh boys and even the Scottish boys in the other group, which will be pushing their claims to make that um, Tokyo 2020 squad. So yeah, interesting times. Um, and then it also falls into the A division as well. So we've got our Europeans next year. That's the first time Wales have been in the European A division for some time. As of competing with England again, Holland and sorry, Germany and those Europeans. Yeah, can only enhance the sport again once we for Wales. Hopefully, get the get the win. Um, yes. Tell us about what what's your typical training day at the moment. What does that involve? Have you had to shift your nutrition? You were talking about you know the, the little things that you control, the one percent. What is a typical day for? What yeah? What does that involve at the moment? Um, very much uh, speed work at the moment for me. So before Christmas, it was very much. Um, aerobic anaerobic work and yes speed work is still anaerobic but now it's just focusing on the flat out speed uh, towards the games so it's short tempo work in the morning whether that's running and then lifting in the afternoon maybe a bit of mobility in between those sessions um, and then on Tuesdays Thursdays is very much hockey based sessions in the evenings with my club Richmond um, and it's the same when I can fit in whenever I get on the pitch um, so typical day Running in the morning, whether that's speed work or tempo work, uh, followed by rest, getting the right nutrients in, as you say, and the right food, um, and then another training session in the evening, um, and then hopefully a bit of uh, stretching and a bit of club stuff. So that's pretty much a day in the life of me at the moment. Sounds good. Sounds good for a full-time athlete, anyway. Um, so in closing, I'd like to throw this curveball question. If you could watch everything that's happened in your life so far, would you be happy? Wow, curveball. Um, oh, bloody hell. Um, I think when one door closes, another opens. So yeah, as much as I'm gutted about 2014, which was a massive dip for my hockey career, I think with the military and what they've offered since then, uh, whether that's the officer card or you know, um, going away with IF Hockey Combined Services, um, it's only been up. And to get involved in the Welsh squad and possibly being my last cycle, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. Yeah, yes, fourteen was was a disappointment, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy where I am at the moment. So I'm going to put you on the spot again, actually. So obviously, we all hope you get there, but. If the decision was that you weren't to make the squad, would you put yourself through it all over again? Um, I don't think I could. Um, 
I think I'd I'd continue to play indoor stuff for Wales. I think I I think I've still got that in me to put to play the outdoor game for another four years, and then be 36 probably when the next games comes around in Birmingham. I just don't think I've got it in me. Um, and I've also got to look at career as well. Uh, that's that's another aspect of my life now. So I'm I'm family and friends and obviously partner. Uh, so I don't think I could do it for another four years. I think this will pretty much be my last Commonwealth Games. Um, I'd definitely do another European indoors um, and then try play outdoors as much as possible. But for another four years now, I don't think I've got it in me. So this is very much the last hoorah as such for the, for the Commonwealth Games. Well, I've got faith, mate. I believe in you. And I, I think you deserve to um, to make it. Looking back, you know, on being a... Not just, you know, doing this podcast, but being a friend, I think it'd be a... The cherry on top of the, the cake um, I remember training back with you at home and you know you were just on a different level of, of determination to succeed when, and be where you wanted to be and seeing you go through that journey of joining the RAF and then going on to be an officer I just think hopefully it's written in the stars that you do make it so I'm sure all the listeners that are listening will wish you all the best um, good luck where can we find more about you on social media or where, where's the best thing to, to, to drop you a good luck message or follow the journey? Yeah, I mean, very heavily on Instagram at the moment, whether that's doing stories or kind of posts because obviously the RAF one are dating with that side of things. Um, so it's pretty much Sio underscore says is my um, my kind of app name on Instagram and that's where everything's kind of posted. So if they want to give me a follow, you're more than welcome. Well, we'll look forward to um, seeing some Insta stories in the Commonwealth Games opening ceremony. Good luck for the rest of your training and fingers crossed you get that selection that I believe you deserve. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Jack.